You're listening to Castle Rock First United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Castle Rock FUMC, you can go online at fumccr.org. Thank you, and have a good day. One of the funny things is I'm, I'm a collector of things, meaning that like I like I collect things as I go. And um, I was looking through, I have a, I have a plethora of Bibles, and um, Holy Week, I use this one Bible in particular. It has this amazing map in it that has, like, the whole week of Holy Week. And, and I was trying to look up some things for Holy Week, and, and, and I'd opened up this Bible, and it's one that I've had for, for almost 20 years. And I opened it up, and I opened it up to one page, and in this one page was this uh, blue sticky note that had my name on it. And I started laughing. I started laughing because uh, I remembered where the sticky note came from. It came from a youth camp that I had done many years ago. And, and I remember that the question was, who do you see as a prophet uh, in your world today? And, and, and it was one of those things, it was one of those prayer stations that we had set up and, and kids were going to and writing down things and names. And, and you know, the, the typical were, were shared, Jesus, Martin Luther King, Jr., you know, people in their lives who had, who had been people who had helped them see or spoke truth to them. And at the end of the camp, uh, one of my friends handed me that sticky note and I said, where's this from? And she said, it was on the prophet's table. I said, what? There's no way. I, I don't see myself as a prophet. And she's like, oh, somebody did. And, and, I, and I kept that sticky note as a reminder of, of what people see in me, but yet also what there is a calling to that. And that calling is, is, is to be faithful, to listen to God, and, and to open ourselves up to what it is God may be speaking to us in an attitude of discernment and prayer. And so, uh, you know, as I was thinking of that, I was thinking, listening to this idea of prophets. And, and here we come across uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Listen to what the uh, Hebrew Bible writers wrote about prophets. The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from your community, from your fellow Israelites. He is the one you must listen to. That's exactly what you have requested from the Lord, your God, at Herod. On that day of the assembly, when you said, I can't listen to the Lord, my God's voice anymore, or look at this great fire uh, um, any longer, I don't want to die. The Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I'll raise up a prophet for them from among the fellow Israelites, one just like you. I'll put my words in his mouth and he will tell, he will tell them everything I command him. I myself will hold accountable anyone who doesn't listen to my words, which the prophet will speak in my name. However, any prophet who arrogantly speaks a word in my name that I haven't commanded to him to speak or who speaks in my name of other gods, that prophet must die. And then we jump ahead to the gospel reading today, uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Jesus and his followers went to Capernaum immediately on the Sabbath. Jesus entered in the synagogue and started teaching. The people were amazed by his teaching, for he was teaching them with authority, not like the legal experts. Suddenly there was in the synagogue a person with an evil spirit screamed, What have you done with us, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. Silence, Jesus said. Speaking harshly to the demon, come out of him. The unclean spirit shook him and screamed and then came out. Everyone was shaken and questioned among themselves, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He even commands the unclean spirits to obey him. Right away, the news about him spread throughout the entire region of Galilee. This is the scripture of faith for the people of faith. Thanks be to God. Amen. Anne Lamont wrote in her book, Traveling Mercy, she wrote, It's funny, I always imagined when I was a kid that adults had some kind of inner toolbox full of shiny tools. The saw of discernment, a hammer of wisdom, the sandpaper of patience. But then when I grew up, I found that life handed you these rusty, bent, old tools. Friendships, prayer, conscience, honesty, and said, do the best you can with these, they will have to do. And mostly against all odds, they are enough. We seek wisdom every day. And sometimes we seek truth or, or we're seeking something. We're, we're always in that process of looking for something. And, and, and it's always amazing to me when I read this scripture in the gospel, how the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching. It tells me that uh, the religious leaders at the times preached boring, long-winded, not-making-sense sermons. They had a lot longer attention span than us, and, and, and that tells me that, that something that, that they were doing wasn't relating to the people in which they were speaking to. And see, what I always feel in the sense of the call to worship is it's a time for us to gather and to recharge, but then it's not just about what happens in here. It's about uh, equipping you to go out into the world and, and to show what God's love looks like. And far too often I, I see time and time again where we fall short. We become too preoccupied by what we're putting in and consuming in our everyday lives. Henry Nouwen wrote, we may never be entirely free from the power of dark voices that whisper half-truths and lies, but we need not to surrender to them. We talk a lot about making this place better. We talk a lot about making those connections to people. And we talk about, you know, how how do we share the love and light with the people around us? And I think it really does boil down to how we're living out our faith. And and, and when I think of the word discernment, um, I think of that word uh, of taking uh, what it is we're thinking about or praying about and taking it seriously and, and, and holding it on and, and just sitting with it. It's not something we make a rash discernment about or a rash decision about. I know that's why I love the ordination process. It's a discernment process. It took me 13 years to discern what it really, what I really wanted to do. I thought along the way I had these ideas, but what I noticed is the more I let go and allow God to be in control, the more I saw what it is I was called to do. And I believe that's for everybody. I think God is calling all of us to share God's love with the world, and, and, and how we go about that matters. Could you imagine if when the man walked into the synagogue, 
and and he was you know screaming an unclean spirit. Obviously, he had some mental health issues, and, and Jesus just went. Someone just will someone take care of him? Like just usher him out, and and or Jesus never paid attention to him. That's not what happened here. Jesus modeled what it means to care for our neighbors. This man came in with, with obviously some kind of disorder, some kind of mental disease, and Jesus really all he did was love him and cared for him. And the demons that he cast out were were uh, so. Uh, Harshly coming out. And Jesus just said, come out of him. And the, and the spirit did, and his attitude changed. And so who are we modeling? Who who are examples that we follow? Who uh, are, are we listening to? And, and that's what Moses is getting at in Deuteronomy. He's encouraging us to, to pay attention to who we're listening to and realize that, that God is going to call the people among you to speak those truths. It's also, I think, a, a word of warning to prophets to be ready. <laughs> Everyone knows that prophets are never well-liked. And you know why prophets are never well-liked? Because they're speaking truth. They're saying those things that, that, that we don't want to hear. They're saying those things that, that are a little bit harsh to, 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 to take in. And we don't want to hear it. <laughs> It just goes to show you that even people in biblical times didn't want to hear God speaking to them. It just goes to show you that, that even in those times with Jesus, that people uh, were amazed by his teaching, not because he had a long-winded, uh, doctrinally correct sermon. All they, they really were uh, impressed by him was the way that he showed love. And to me, that's what we are called to do as a church. Maybe you, you saw the, the article that came out this week, and I know it was on NPR, and I know it was in a couple other places because I had some people send it to me. But now the religious nuns are becoming one of the largest groups uh, in the United States. 28% of people say they do not connect to some kind of religion. That sucks. <laughs> And the the only thing I can say as I look at the data is that what are we going to do about it? (laughs) And and what's going to be our response to that? I think it's simple. (laughs) Live like Jesus. Love our neighbor. And so this week, when I when I saw the article come out, I, I pulled up Mission Insight, and some of you know what that is. We've we've gone over that here in Administrative Council. It's all those demographic things that we talk about from time to time. And, and, and I looked at one of the demographic pages that talked about why people don't want to come to church. And in this area, one of the reasons why people don't want to come to church is because they don't feel loved and appreciated. It's actually one of the top three reasons. So that got me thinking, what can we do better? How can we show God's love even more? And it really made me think that it's not about what we do here on Sunday morning. My job here on Sunday morning is to equip you so then you can go out into the world and share what God's love looks like. Give you some old rusty tools to use. And it's as simple as being faithful, being observant, sharing love. The sermon calls us to, to pay attention to what's going around around us and asking us, how are we going to respond? 
there's this old story I came across. It's a story about a monk who rode an ox into town. The people noticed that he was looking all around and as he was seeking something. They asked him what he was looking for. The monk said, I'm looking for an ox. The townspeople laughed at the foolish man. And he went on to two other neighborhoods and people in each place asked him the same question. What are you looking for? He answered again, I'm looking for an ox. Finally, someone said to him, this is ridiculous. You're a man riding on an ox and yet you're looking for an ox. The man answered, so it is with you looking for God. I want you to wrestle with this question. You don't have to answer me. Where have you seen God at work in this last week? I have found that question on my heart a lot more lately. And I think it's because it's calling me to see where God is at work in this world. Because let's be honest, the world is not willing to share the good news. How God is sharing God's love into this world. Good news doesn't sell. It's the fear and the hate. That's what gets us riled up. That's what gets us not focusing on what we should be. The ox is right in front of us. How are we going to change things around? How are we going to grow the community? How are we going to connect people with God? Because that's what we should be doing. It's not about having butts and seats. It's about helping people connect with God. And the way that we do that is we remind people that God's love is always with us. And that God loves us and cares for us. Jesus modeled it. We want to turn this ship around and we want to make things better. It's going to require us to to discern and to lean into those gifts and graces that God has given us so that we can change the world. And so my challenge for you this week is to see where God is at work in your life and not to be afraid to share it. Because that's what the world needs. Because I'm going to tell you, there were two news stories I saw this week about the church, and neither one of them were great. One was about the decline and the rise of the nuns. The other was about a pastor who had embezzled a ton of money from people through Bitcoin. And that was here in Colorado. (laughs) Makes my job that much harder, and your job as well. Because that's what's sold. Not the fact that last week we celebrated, kicked off 150 years and had one of the coolest services I've seen in a long time. Not the fact that we had kids that were fed and taken care of on Tuesday mornings. Not the fact that we have a group of people who share care with our community and the world. Not the fact that we are gearing up for our food ba- our food pantry run for uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Not the fact that you know we're doing all these great things, getting ready to send a group of youth to, to Puerto Rico. Not the fact that uh, we're, we're changing people's lives through caring for one another. That's the challenge. But here's the kicker of all that. You're not alone. God is with you. 
is God loves you. No matter who you are, no matter where you're on life's journey or life's faith, no matter what you've done or not done or, or, or who you loved or who you haven't loved, God still loves you. And if we can realize that and if we can internalize that, we can take that and share that with the world, it will make it a better place. Even if it's just your world. And maybe you only see 20 people a week. And you change those people's worlds to be less judgmental, less dire, less this world's going to end. Because I hate to tell you, we've been saying this world's going to end since the beginning of time. If it ends, I'm ready. But until that time, until I'm standing before God, I have a lot of love to share and a lot of love to give to the world. And doing that, we'll make those changes. So go and share God's love with the world. And discern how you can be used by God to be a prophet in somebody's life. Let us pray.